hello. Welcome to I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. Uh, my name is Chip Chantry. Ken, how are you? I'm doing well. Yeah. How are you? Uh, amazing. I'm excited about our guest and our topic this week. How about you? I'm, I've never been more excited. You you sound it. You sound it. You it, it, it. it comes through, right? In my... Did you get a haircut just for today? No. No, actually, my my uh, my jupe. This is just a lot of uh, gel pressed down because my jufro was uh, popping off this morning. Okay, yeah, it looks good. I'm I'm liking it. I'm liking it. Uh, well, should we bring our guest in right yes. now? Yes, to studio. Bring him into studio, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Christian Finnegan's with us. I see. I'm doing that better, by the way, Christian. I hope you like that. I feel like the stand-up comedian are are. Default is to save the name for last because that's what we do on stage because you because want the big the build up and it's like blah 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 give some credits ladies and gentlemen Christian Finnegan and then there's just nothing so I've been trying to NPR it more and throw in yeah the I guess first. you're right you're right that is built into my head that that is the way to do it but you're right in a podcast where there is no sort of thunderous applause or tepid applause or whatever uh, maybe it makes more sense to sort of ease it in that way there's no disappointment there's no feeling right yeah oh, no and one it's, cares yeah so I I said your name first. Yeah, you are. I'm even going to talk to you. And this is second person right now. It's, it's we're really going uh, avant garde here. You are Christian Finnegan. You're a stand up comedian. <laughs> You've been on a number of TV shows and movies. Uh, you can. You now have permission to use the I Love Rock and Roll podcast in your credits. We're giving you Straight that permission. To the top, baby. Uh, your album is special. Show your work is available now, and it is top notch. Uh, Christian, you. how are you? Thanks for joining us. I am quite good, thank you. How are you, fine fellas today? Thank you for having me. We're great. Yeah, um, thank you for coming on. We're excited about having you. Uh, before we get into our topic, which I know you are excited about, uh, can you tell us a little bit about music for old, uh, new music for olds? Sure. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a um, a newsletter that I started a few months ago, uh, and it is pretty self explanatory. What it is, it's kind of designed for people who either love music or used to love music, but just don't have time to root around for new stuff anymore because they have jobs and, and whatnot. And I don't have either of those things. I don't have jobs or kids or whatever. And so I spend a lot of time just click and play randomly on new releases. And I just find that my life is a little better when I have a new song that I'm into. And so uh, it's just kind of giving me a reason to listen to new music and and write about it and write some silly jokes about it and it's kind of not designed to be like nobody who reads pitchfork on a regular basis would learn anything new from what i write <laughs> right but i'm kind of not trying to gear it towards those people i'm trying to gear it towards people like my two best friends who i grew up with who are one of them one of whom is a songwriter and the other of whom was a music producer for a while but they're not interested in sort of fighting the blog wars and entering the the quote-unquote discourse and all that and so i used to just send them music like hey check this out check this out and so it's kind of designed for people like that or just people who just you know haven't kind of never cultivated the habit of constantly looking for new music and so then when you get to a certain age you just stop you stop looking and so i don't pretend it's like anything hyper you know word on the street or ear to the ground i I kind of think of it as like you know when you go to like a a foreign city and you go on one of the day trips you Mm -hmm. know you're in ireland i'm gonna take a trip out to wicklow and see them make hats and whatnot there's good versions of that and there's bad versions of that i want it to be like a good day trip so it's like you don't have to be a total new music head but like here's kind of a semi-educated view into some stuff that's coming out now that's and that's what we that's what I need too, because I was always the guy that was, I was so on top of everything. And then I just realized a couple of years ago that I was completely out of step. So it's like something that I need to just, okay, give me just a couple of pieces. Yeah. And uh, it's three songs every two weeks. And then, and then some other, you know, silliness and jokes and, and crap like that. But really the new music part of it is three songs every other week. If you're a paid subscriber, then you get a, a, a second episode on the off weeks. That's kind of stuff that's like new to me. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, stuff that's not new necessarily, but that I've just kind of discovered. Uh, yeah. Like, do you know who Toya Wilcox is? No. no. She's married to Robert Fripp. She does those weird oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, videos yeah, yeah. now. Yeah, they do those covers. Yeah, and I always just thought she was some sort of British TV presenter, you know, kind of like a, you know, Nick Cannon type, you mm-hmm. know, just yeah. somebody who are Terry Crews or whomever. And uh, so I was like, who, what is this woman about? And so I spent like a few days this past week just listening to old Toya Wilcox 
albums and they're actually kind of great. Oh, they're really? sort of Yeah, they're kind of like body raunchy Kate Bush sort of. Not raunchy sexually, but just kind of very very alpha, like an alpha Kate Bush. My joke on Twitter is that she's a Kate shaved Bush. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting because I I watched those videos over lockdown. Like every Sunday they they would release yeah. a, a YouTube cover of some classic song that you loved. But I honestly thought that was just Robert Fripp's wife being like, I'm bored and need attention, so this is what we're gonna do. <laughs> no, so she's like that, a that's a, good to know. And I was like, she's got a decent voice. And she's been like a well known person in the UK for forty years. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I would I yeah. would definitely check that out. But so so that's what that's kind of on the off weeks is more devoted to stuff like that. But that's it's just kind of something I'm doing for fun and uh it's been weirdly rewarding. It's nice, you know, and I a lot of us get into stand up because it's like the closest thing you can have to complete control over a situation. Oh, yeah. But even with stand up, you don't have complete control because there's whoever's going on in front of you or, or the audience or the venue or whatever. And writing a newsletter is like that is completely yours. There's it's whatever you want it to be. And there's something for sort of a petty tyrant like myself. It's it's fun. <laughs> well, I definitely found that, too. Just I love stand up and I'm sure I'll always do stand up. But especially these past two years, I realized I don't need to do it and, or at least emotionally don't need to do it. But I love to, and I've written for a couple of little TV shows and projects, but it's like, if I could just sit in my house and write funny things, I would be that that's all I need. Like, that's all I need to do. I just, I don't need that world. So much of it is, I mean, I do kind of still, but I, so much of the joy of it is just that moment of amusement that you share with yourself. You know, of writing something or coming up with something that just sort of delights you for 45 minutes, um, you know, high or otherwise. And uh, that is kind of a nice, fun thing to be able to kind of do that, to be able to make a dumb Kate Bush joke that I would never do. And like, you know, at the. Yeah, like where there's nowhere else you could do it. Yeah. I mean, unless unless you've cultivated that like super right. hyper specific fan base. You know, I'm sure that there's probably five comics who could do that, but they ain't me. <laughs> none, of, <laughs> none of those fans are fans of mine. So, Well, and it's also just the idea. I mean, we're all music nerds. There's nothing that I like better than turning somebody on to a new band and it's the them, best. them loving the it. Best. It's just it's validation right there. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and, and I'm sure that some of it is pure ego, but other times it's just that feeling of like confirmation that you're not crazy like that you found something great and when somebody else thinks it's great too there's just a shared feeling of like right <laughs> you, you know it's like i it's like discovering an island somewhere and it yeah. feels great yeah. oh absolutely That's uh give it, it besides the one you said uh anything that really jumps out recently that you're like everybody has to listen to this oh boy um let me think off top okay if you're if you're like a hard rock dude like if you're into uh, there's a band called trip villain which I'm super into right now. Okay. Uh, terrible band name, but uh, great band. Uh, on the that's on the harder end of things. If you're kind of into more sort of techno kind of dance type music, uh, there's this band Abibio Sound System. Uh, I'm sorry, Abibio Sound Machine rather. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to get those Abibio Sound Machine, and they're super great. And if you're into kind of more softer, quieter stuff, there's this uh, Austrian singer-songwriter woman named Oska, O-S-K-A, that I've uh, been super enjoying lately. All right. We got to check that out. I uh, Like, I feel good about myself because, and this is so mainstream because she was just on Saturday Night Live, so how, you know, how much more mainstream. But, like, my wife and I just totally got into Japanese breakfast recently. And I just, I pat my, I physically pat myself on the back every day. When I listen to it, it's like, okay, it's, it's something that's not from 1998. And I there's not, yeah. And that, that to me is really what it's about. Uh, it, there's, I, there's no, I don't think there should be any cool points about it. You know, uh, Saturday Night Live, whatever. I mean, whatever, however you find it, you find it. But just that that newness, that that sort of new, it gives your sort of life a new car smell for a couple yeah. days. Yeah. 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 They are good. I, I, I heard them on, um, they did a cover of uh, Head Over Heels, like that Japanese te- breakfast. Yeah, that Tears yeah. for Fears song from the 80s. My wedding song. Yeah. Oh, well, that's, that's why I brought it up. 
I, yeah, I, I, I've been doing and, my research. Like, <laughs> and um, then I just saw, and I forget what I forget the lead singer, what her name is, but she uh, she was just at the Wilco Festival and sang Jesus, etc. with them, and it was great. Oh, really? Yeah, it was, it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I wasn't super crazy about that SNL performance, honestly, but I yeah. know that they're very, Michelle Rauner, I believe is her name. Yeah, I think that's what. Yeah, and it's yeah. I mean, it was fine, but we we're like, okay, let's let's listen to this, and it's delightful. Like, yeah. it's not my favorite album, but it's like, I, I am not offended by this at all. I can put this in the background and I, and I just having something new, just, yeah. just again, yeah. like you said, it, it's so, it's so easy to get sort of funneled into your sort of algorithmic, uh, box now, yeah. whereas like you can just listen to your nineties up constantly updating Spotify playlists mm-hmm. for the rest of your life. Yeah. But you know, there's so much more out there. Yeah. And it's fun too because I let, because everything is obviously just, it's cyclical. So it's like Japanese breakfast and it's like, okay, we're, we're enjoying this. And then I just happen to pull up like a synth pop playlist on Apple. And then we just went back to like old eighties synth pop and it was just, and this is great. And then of course, then the whole Kate Bush thing happened this past week or so with stranger things. <laughs> yeah, the and it's like Kate Bush Lynch. Yes, exactly. So it's just all, it all converged. By the way, speaking of the eighties, Kenneth, yes. should we, should we should we jump into this this top? I almost like feel like we're not ready. Like, like I, th- I feel like we have to stretch before we 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 start this lift here. I feel like we just did. Yeah. Okay. Well, and and I think that with the artist we're going to talk about, you just you're not going to be able to have a comprehensive conversation no. about it. And just it's it's a a very quick whip through the yeah. catalog. Yeah. It's yeah. We, we're not we are not attempting to cover this man's entire career. Um, he did Electric Avenue, and I think that's what we're going to uh, focus <laughs> on. Mm-hmm. Mr. Eddie Grant is our. Um, the rest, then three hours on deep cuts. Yes. Uh, all right, Ken. Let's do this. Let's let's jump in. Let's do it. Yeah. Oh, I. You want me to do it? I yeah. When you... I was saying us, I mean, <laughs> I'm, just I'm just not feeling. You know, it's funny. It's like, I mean, it says you do it. Yeah, yeah, but it's it says right like when when the episode comes out, it's going to say Prince. So right. like every everybody's been no, listening to this knows. for twenty but minutes, j- just like that. Yeah, j- j- like I I feel like I introduced Christian well without like the big setup, and now for the entire topic, I'm I just drop the ball. Well, We're talking about Prince, Pete. Because come on, it's Prince. <laughs> we all know him. Fucking Purple Rain. Blah 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 blah. Let's talk. Let's do it. How's I, I feel like that was a good intro. Yes, I feel like I did a good job. That was uh, uh, Christian. Hey, what you feel is the most important thing. Yeah, <laughs> Christian, you had given us a couple of topics that. You said you were you were pretty well versed on that you're a big fan of. Uh, give us your quick nutshell impression. Uh, like, w- what's your relationship with Prince? Uh, well, I mean, first of all, just age wise, I kind of fell right into the Prince pocket. You know, mm-hmm. that I mean, not for you and those first couple albums, although they probably were swimming around in my head because you'd hear them playing at the supermarket or whatever, but like, you know, why you want to treat me so bad or whatever. But, you know, 1999 came out, I think when I was in like fifth, fourth grade or something, you know, and it was the early days of MTV. And, and, uh, and so I was just kind of, he was kind of just in the, in the ether at the time. And then of course, Purple Rain came out and it was the end of the dance song. And, you know, it's so, so many of my our pre-adolescent memories are wrapped up in hearing Prince, you know, and I was not, I was kind of, as I got a little older and got into like junior high, I became more of like a metalhead. I was into like hair metal and Def Leppard and then Dokken and Queensryche eventually and stuff like that. But for whatever reason, Prince was like the one artist that I kind of stuck with from my pre-metal days. And so there really wasn't ever a time when I wasn't not just aware, but like on board with what he was doing, you know, under the cherry moon and, and, you know, even through graffiti bridge and, and, uh, and I was pretty consistent with Prince until around, I mean, I started to fall off a little bit after you know after batman and then it kind of came back again with uh diamonds and pearls and yeah the new the new power generation was yeah uh, and and at that point i kind of like like i loved prince as a legacy artist but i i wasn't super crazy about everything he was doing i have a, a sort of a theory that that hip hop broke prince in a way like broke his brain 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was not able to really create as organically for about 10 years because he was so concerned with his sort of losing stature within the sort of black music community and that he really isn't very good at hip hop. Like it's not, didn't come naturally to him. And so it was always sort of an awkward fit. So that whole new power generation stuff, it always felt a little bit like a, like a dad trying to rap or something like it, it felt, it felt not real. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but anyway, it's like even, even Prince at his lowest though. I mean, I still bought all the albums and I listened to them and certainly, there's songs on even even art official age. There's songs I like. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, after he died, I went back and I listened because there were so many. I'm, I'm so my my path through him sound was very similar to yours, although I actually really enjoyed that new power generation. But that came out when I was, I don't know, probably 15 or something. Mm-hmm. So it was like it was like raunchy and it was funky. Um, I did at the time. I yeah, just, I did. I, I don't, yeah. it, it doesn't feel like it's aged as well. Right. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't go back and listen to it, but, um, I went back and I, you know, started listening to, he, he probably had 20 albums after that, that I'd never heard, you know, I, that, that's sort of where I stopped. And yeah. I, I would, I would agree that there's definitely like, I think I got back on board right at the, right at the very end, or at least I tried to. Yeah. I didn't particularly enjoy those hit and run albums or whatever, but yeah, around when like the rainbow children and all that, like I, I really wasn't paying any attention then. And I don't, to be perfectly frank, as much as I admire Prince, I don't feel so terrible about that. (laughs) You know, it's not for me, not for me. I think I, I think I kind of broke off after that triple album emancipation, which I, I feel like I was one of the nine people to have bought. Uh, but after that, I kind of stopped. Yeah, he. Uh, what were you gonna say, Chip? Well, no, and I, I just think with a lot of artists, and this kind of goes back to your new music for olds thing, because like not even discovering new music, but it's like discovering new music from bands you love. Like there's, there, I think there is a diminishing returns thing with a band or an artist that's been around for 30, 40, 50 years, where it's like if they have a pocket of three or four or five great albums, like that's to a certain extent enough for me. Like I'll keep going back to listening to, like even with like indie rock like i'm a huge built to spill fan i love the band built to spill like so much mm-hmm. but i basically listen to three albums and they're some of my favorite three albums but they're newer stuff like i just it's not that i dislike it but i'm just not invested in it as much because you're not invested you don't have those sort of core emotional experiences related to them you know what i mean and and they're probably at a certain point feeling like kind of weaker facsimiles of the songs that you love right because you know. i wasn't 21 and sad yeah. 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 In, in, in and of itself, you know, cause I, I do sometimes try to get defensive of bands or artists in the, their second halves of their careers, because obviously it's like, I'm in the second half of my career and I'd like <laughs> to think that I'm still reasonably talented. Our careers are actually over. Yeah. Okay. About yeah. Six months ago. <laughs> ended, so. uh, yeah. The second half is very euphemistic. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, like, like, and, and it's not impossible. Like the latest Tears for Fears album that came out a few months ago is really good. It's like great. it's shockingly good. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, Black Star, Bowie's last album yes. is definitely belongs in the canon. Yes. Um, you Bowie, know, so it's I'll, not impossible. I'll defend. I, I can defend just about every Bowie album. I think the, I agree. The later See? era stuff was experimental and he was mm-hmm. not resting on laurels and he was always pushing himself forward and even the albums that were clunkers there was two or three songs on every album he had he had one album in his career the the tonight album with blue jean yeah where i was, was just awesome. like oh this album's terrible yeah um, it really speaking, is not, speaking of new music good. you said his name was dave Bowie is that David right? David Bowie Dave, Dave yeah. Bowie Dave Bowie <laughs> writing my down. friend Dave Bowie I'm gonna check him out but yeah that's another episode but yeah I will I will go to the mat for outside yeah the, the outside Earthling album. uh yeah. reality was a great album. hours yeah. yeah they're all yeah um so by the way my relationship with Prince and I, I hate to disappoint you gentlemen always been a very casual fan uh, I never really owned a lot of his stuff but I always liked it I was in first, second grade when Purple Rain came out and you, you couldn't avoid it. And I loved it. And, you know, MTV, it, I knew his hits, but that was pretty much it. In 2004, I think it was the Musicology Tour. 
uh, my brother and now sister-in-law had an extra ticket to go see him in Philadelphia, the Wachovia Center. And I had been to hundreds of concerts at this point. And I'm, you know, Mr. Indie Rock and music nerd and I'm smarter than everybody. And I, I don't like mainstream th- things too much. And I was like, I'm going to kind of go literally like as a joke, like not, yeah. not as a joke, but just as like, all right, I've heard it's good. Let's go see Prince. And then three hours later, I had to put it in my top five albums, uh, concerts of all time. It was like the great, like he just converted me. Not that I wasn't a fan, but like, I was like, that was the single greatest performance I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Like it was just, it just blew my mind. And I just, his guitar work was just, I wasn't expecting that. Like I kind of knew about it, but just to see it in person was, I, I, I've never seen. Yeah, it's so it's so annoying that, you know, everything is sort of reduced to a meme now and people just don't have the capacity to sort of appreciate the breadth of someone's talent. And so now it's like, oh, yeah, Prince guitar playing the the Rock and Roll Hall thing, you know, it's just like, really? Come on. First of all, it's not even it's not. I mean, it's a great solo because he's great, but it's not. I wouldn't put it in one of my 10 favorite Prince solos like at all. No, you know, and, and it's like, this dude has been an amazing guitar player forever, yeah. but people can only latch on to that one thing. Right. I remember a friend, a friend of mine, and this was 15 years ago. He was teaching at like a junior high or whatever. And he brought up Led Zeppelin and one of the kids in the, in the class said, what was their song again? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Prince, people forget that, I I mean, Prince, guitar-wise. And piano-wise, and everything, and and drum-wise. He would would play, most of those albums are him playing every single instrument. Yeah. I mean, Um, if you ever, you know. At once, by the way, that was like a a one-man band kind of situation. If you see him in the studio, he's got the bass drum on his back. And uh, it's really, it's amazing. Well, except the monkey. The monkey has the squeeze box. But yeah. other than that, yeah, it's, he does uh, that. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you watch the the concert movie, Sign of the Times, you know, he gets behind the kit and plays yeah. a drum solo. And it's just like, oh, like how just humiliating on a daily basis it must have been to be in his band. To, to just like a move over, let me do it. And be like, oh, okay, you're better than yeah. me at this. And right, you're him. you're only yeah. here because I don't have ten arms. <laughs> <laughs> when when Prince was seven years old, he wrote his first song on his dad's piano. The song was called "Funk Machine," and that's <laughs> better, cooler, and further into the music industry than any of the three of us combined will ever, will ever do. <laughs> um, he was. Uh, He's one of the greatest guitar players that ever lived, but he was also like, like could sing it. He was like, if um, he was like James Brown and Jimi Hendrix rolled into one tiny. And Stevie fella. Wonder. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I mean, I always, I always think of, of Stevie Wonder and Prince because Stevie Wonder is also a great drummer. And uh, as these guys who were just literally just conduits for music, <laughs> writ large you know what i mean like just they could do anything they they had no limitations to their talent at all which in my sort of unreasoned dumb opinion is kind of what ruined prince eventually like or not ruined is not is too strong a word but but that sometimes you need limitations you need sort of tethers you need things that you can't do to sort of focus your energies and i think that having like the revolution or having a band of mortals kind of kept him focused because otherwise once it's just all studio aces in your band, once it's all just complete pros, it, it, it can get a little wonky and it can get a little kind of, you just lose a sense of what's essential about what we're playing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have this grand theory and this is a very simple thing that all the great bands have at least one virtuoso and one person who's kind of sucks and that that's, you need that. Like you need somebody who can like give your music uh, a musician-y sheen, but you also need somebody who kind of keeps it like, all right, what do, what do I have to do here? Tell me what I have to play <laughs> because yeah. that keeps it essential. Well, yeah. And, and like you said too, and not that you have to aim for this, but we, uh, we just did an episode a couple weeks ago about uh, the one and only Mr. Huey Lewis and the news. And 
he was they were was kind that of imitation of the dude in uh almost famous what you did right i there? think so yeah i think it was pretty the, it was people pretty who are just listening don't see it but he did <laughs> yeah. the uh the jay barrow shell sort of uh yeah uh, <laughs> Ms. Uh, penny lane <laughs> penny lane uh sorry penny, i interrupted you penny lane never made sports all right <laughs> um but that was the one thing that that they talked about where like Yui Lewis, like the great musicians are like, don't worry. But like they had that focus where they're like, this might be our last shot. We need to make every song a radio hit. Like that's what they try. And like that was their focus. And they with their limitations, it was like, we need to focus on this and, and focus on this one thing where it's like, I'll listen to older print stuff. And it's like, it's great, but it's also it's out there and and just kind of. It yeah, it's, it's a little like ephemeral and yeah, yeah. and kind of just funk jams and stuff, you know. Right. You know, when he started losing me, I think, was um, when he changed his name to the symbol. Mm-hmm. Remember that he was on Rolling Stone with Slave written across his cheek. He was cheek. just ahead of the emoji game is what yeah. it was. <laughs> he was, and and uh, spelling spelling things with numbers and not spelling out you. He was like 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. You know, everything was the number four, the letter U. Mm-hmm. Um. Yep. But I was watching, uh, it's funny, I, I watched the, an old interview of his with Larry King from the late 90s. Uh, he was promoting the Rave Unto the Joy Fantastic album, mm-hmm. which I think was the last album I got of his where I was like, let me really try and hang in there with him. And I just, I couldn't do it. But um, Larry's telling him, Larry's like, well, he, he, he opens with telling Prince what a different, unusual guy he is. And if you've ever heard Prince interviewed, he's super soft-spoken. Like, he barely talks above a whisper. Yeah. And Prince was like, oh, uh, like, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I'm that. What do you mean I'm different? And he was like, well, you know, Larry King. All I can hear when I hear Larry King is the Norm MacDonald impression. Right. <laughs> and he was just like, uh, well, you know... Uh, you, you you don't think you're different than most people? And Prince was like, I'm I'm just a regular guy. How am I different than most people? And then I was like, what's Larry King's problem? Like, yeah, Prince is just a dude. Mm-hmm. And then I forgot about that. And Larry's like, well, you changed your name to an unpronounceable symbol. And then I was like, oh, yeah, Prince, you are fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great anecdote. In, uh, have you ever read uh, I Want My MTV? Yes. Yeah. Uh, th- there's a great anecdote where somebody's interviewing Prince and he's wearing one, he's wearing women's high heels and one is red and one is yellow. In the middle of the interview, he says, Excuse me for a minute. And he gets up and he comes back and he's wearing the other two of the two pairs, <laughs> like on the other feet. <laughs> I mean, weirdos never know they're weird. I mean, that famous Salvador Dali quote is like, The difference between me and insane people is I'm not insane. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but so so Larry's quiz, he's like, well, you know, why, why'd you change your name to a symbol? And Prince is given his whole, uh, because I, I want I want ownership back of my music and my life. And I, I and, and until I get what I want, this is who I am. So then Larry's giving him other name suggestions. And he, he was. <laughs> what about what about Rob? Yeah, he goes, he was, he says, well, what's your real name? And Prince is like Prince Rogers Nelson. And he's like, well, what about Nelson? <laughs> Larry, you think this, missing the special sauce. <laughs> yeah. What about no? How great would that have been if Prince had announced in the nineties? Like, Hey, I'm, I'd like to be known as Nelson now. Yeah, and obviously, and obviously, like a nerd costume to sort of go with it, like it was an alternate character. I'm now right. Nelson. I'm Nelson, and I play, I play every instrument, and it's just the cello and oboe. <laughs> and obviously, uh, uh, Larry King was not aware of my favorite musical duo of all time, uh, yes. of same name, yeah. of no, yeah, Gunner and Matthew, I believe. I think Gunner and Matthew, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know how pissed they would have been. Oh my God! Can what if imagine? he just did? It? He's like, my name's Nelson now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean that's the thing about about Prince too is that you know again he really needed people around him to sort of slap him down occasionally, and clearly at a certain point he didn't he didn't have that you know, and so many he made so many sort of tactical errors from a 
career standpoint. I mean, you know, as much as you can critique someone who is a star for 40 years and change the landscape of music. But, you know, I've always said, you know, one of the things that I think really kind of hurt him is I I really believe that Love Sexy should be in like in the Prince canon. I think it's a really fantastic movie, album rather. But he made this decision when Love Sexy came out that it was all one track that there were no track breaks between songs because it's, you know, the, all the songs kind of bleed into each other and he didn't want to cut it up. And all right, well, good for you. You made your point and no one listened to it because that's just not the way right. anyone listens to music. And so it's like those are the kinds of things that I feel like really took a lot of the wind out of his sails, mm-hmm. you know, in sort of uh, unforced errors, so to speak. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's how can you, you can't play it on the radio. Mm-mm. So yeah. no, you, nobody's going to hear it to be curious to buy it. And even if they do buy it, it's like you're going to get five songs in or three songs in. And it's just like, well, I, you're never going to hear the last three songs on the album. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like, it just, <laughs> there's no way to skip to them. And I'm sorry, I'm not listening to right. 47 minutes of music it's, to get to the last three. It's like porn. Like, you're just never you're just going to have to leave it up to yourself to imagine how it ends. And they live never happily ever after. <laughs> and then her television was repaired. <laughs> um, I, I I saw I saw this that I thought this was pretty amazing. He, as he was making Purple Rain, he sent Stevie Nicks. Do you guys know the story? He sent mm-hmm. Steve, he asked Stevie Nicks to write the lyrics to Purple Rain and sent her like an eleven minute instrumental track. And Stevie Nicks was just like so blown away. Like she literally was like, I got too scared and I couldn't, I had to send it back and I couldn't do it. Yeah. And he also, uh, he went to uh, Steve Perry to make sure, cause he, he thought he was worried. It sounded too much like faithfully. Oh yeah. Okay. I, have, I have heard that. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't know whether he would have <laughs> actually trashed it. I doubt it, but. I saw something, you know, that famous clip of him covering Radiohead's Creep at Coachella. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just reading today that, you know, he was very vigilant in um, having stuff removed from YouTube and anything. Again, unforced errors. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Anything that, uh, you know, he had copyrighted, he didn't want up and he wanted full control and a fan records that clip that him playing creep by Radiohead and uploads it to YouTube and Prince has his people uh, like issue a cease and desist or instruct the guy to take it down or whatever. And then Radiohead was like, oh, no, that's our song. And uh, we want look, Prince just covered our song and we would like that to stay up, please. <laughs> and Radiohead Great. Prince actually tried getting that removed and then Radiohead stepped in and was like, Nope. Yeah. <laughs> we're, uh-huh. we're not letting you take that down. And Yeah, uh, and it's like and if you have Radiohead giving you advice on how to <laughs> properly like right. y- use the the public market, you know, <laughs> how to expand your market reach, then that's probably not a great sign. You remember Radiohead <laughs> had that album that you could just choose what to pay for and you In didn't Rainbows. have to pay anything. I remember yeah, I like getting it and Everybody being did. like, I would like to pay nothing mm-hmm. and clicking the thing. And I didn't think it would work. And then I was and like, oh, this well, is like, it's a dumb band. I, I, paid, I paid $10 because I, just couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't. It's like when I'm playing video games and, you know, like, like a Grand Theft Auto game or whatever. And you have the option of just being a, like a ruthless murderer or like an upstanding citizen. I try to go the ruthless route and I always end up being like, no, I just kind of want to wait for the green light to turn green. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. It's, it says no turn on red. It's a- <laughs> Police are hot on his tail. He's. Yeah. I'm just constantly yelling. We live in a society. As I, as I no, you know what? I like, I guess my rationale was I'd bought every one of their albums up to that point, seen them in concert a bunch of times. And I didn't, I just wanted to see if it worked. You sure. know, I was like, well, this actually like I could just be like, well, I would just like this. Um, but then to be fair, I think I listened to it once. Like we like I got my money's worth. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe I, mean, I do think maybe, that sometimes things having a price tag makes you value them more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. 
exactly. And that's like part that. of the reason that I kind of get once I stopped buying, you know, physical albums, it's a you don't have that investment. Like once I started streaming stuff, it's just yeah, it's like I didn't pay $16 for it. So I'm not going to spend the time. To listen to well, it. And honestly, that's and that's another reason that I kind of started doing this newsletter is that like I hate the way the music industry is big, the lack of value that things have that MP3 is just you're never going to value them the same way. Oftentimes you never even hear kind of like with the porn thing. You never hear the end of a song because you're just skipping to the next one. It's like, all right, I've gotten my two and a half minutes worth and now I'm going to move on. But there, there are upsides, you know, and the upsides are is that you have access to everything and that it makes sort of dumpster diving just so much easier. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so it's like, all right, well, it can't. And that's thing with Prince, too, is that I totally understand, especially after he went through all his label disputes and wanting to have ownership. But that's just not where the world is going and just. Okay, congratulations, you're fighting against the tide, but for what? To, to what end? Like, do you want people to appreciate what you're doing or not? And at a certain point, you kind of have to accept the world as it is and not how you'd like it to be. Yeah, because he did say that the internet was over, I think, in like 2010. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what in his mind came after that, that everybody was just going to be like, nah, I remember yeah. I used to go online and Google <laughs> things. Now yeah. I'd rather go back to the library and look yeah. them up. Yeah. But that's, uh, he, actually, you know he actually did open. I don't know if you know this. He actually right around that time, he actually opened up a chain of stores that just sold wooden hoops with sticks for kids. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> so they, you know, he, he thought that was making a comeback. That I mean, that was 2000s Prince saying that. Let's be honest. If Prince in the 80s had said something was over, we all would have been like, I guess that's over now. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. Purple Rain Prince was like, hey, guys, dinner is over. I'd be like, I guess I'm a two meal a guy day. That's it. <laughs> Old two meals. <laughs> that guy. Old two meals. <laughs> uh, um, you you made a great list. I saw I saw just uh, a day or so ago, Christian, uh, of your your favorite Prince songs. I did this last night, actually, just because uh, I knew we were going to be talking today. And I was like, I don't like to necessarily i don't prepare for all podcasts but you know hey we're talking about music i like prince and but i haven't really listened been listening to prince a lot recently and so i thought well here's just kind of a this was something i, I about 10 years ago i was in australia for a month and at a, on this tour and we were flying around a lot and i it was back before you could have your iphones on and and so i would just make song lists in a notebook as a way because these flights were about a half an hour and so you weren't really up in the air long enough to do anything and so i did like bowie and i did the you know elvis costello and prince and i and then i was like well i couldn't find the notebook anymore it's like all right well let's just do this again and so i have like a little process of sort of and so i i wrote out my 75 favorite prince songs in order it's it's great i i make lists all the time of like my favorite movies my favorite comedies my favorite albums whatever it's a very dude thing it's a very dude thing and it's just very it's very soothing because it's like oh i don't have to think about the world right now if i want to list my top 20 favorite concerts it's of all so time. meditative it really yeah. is it's uh it's it's like going to your happy place yeah it's and that happy place for me is mike Doty at the tla in 2002 so um the now uh, you did something too i i feel like this was you years ago i don't know if you've you've done it since you had a list and i think it was like in philly just like you stopped by like a small show and you just had a list where you would ask the crowd what their favorite band was and you told them like what was it you told them like about themselves right it was basically what your favorite album says about you yeah um it was something i used to do on my blog years ago uh you know back in the age the age of blogs and uh, and then I wrote for a, con- a humor magazine, I, and then I, I did a little bit on Best Week Ever for a while as well. And uh, you know, I mean, it's not the most original idea in the world, but I, I felt reasonably empowered to do so at the time because I felt like I was relatively on top of culture. Yeah. I could never do that now because somebody would say some K-pop artist, and I'd be like, I have no idea what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, got nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a, a lot of fun. And yeah, what I I had kind of done it so often that I could mostly do it off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's it's like, you know how it is as a stand-up. It's like a lot of your quote-unquote crowd work is really kind right. of leading somebody into a cul-de-sac where you already know what the outcome is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So it's like, okay, so if you say one of these types of bands, I know what joke I'm making. Yeah. Um, so I would love to say that it was as uh, complicated as it looked, but it really was more of a parlor trick. Uh, but it was great. It was it was hilarious. Yeah. I, I'm I'm currently looking at your list right now. Um, 
and I'm not taking the anti-stance, but I, I would just like you to take 30 seconds to defend and explain to people why the beautiful ones, it, why is it, why is that your number one? That's my number one. That's oh, so crazy. Oh, for oh, sure. Yeah, great. I feel Far like, and, I mean, away, and by the way, I'm not saying person. it's not, it's a great song, but yeah. I just, I want to know why, uh, why it's your number one. I think that it encompasses a lot of the great things about Prince within one song, uh, the sort of lilting beauty of the first two thirds of the song and his falsetto, which is amazing. And then the the last third of it where, you know, the sort of screaming, the ragged voice Prince, you know, um, and the intensity. But I think the thing I love the most about it is the transition between those two where the um, where the sort of very major chord part that sort of lasts through the first two thirds of the song, it transitions to that, you know, do you want him or do you yeah. want me? Cause I want you where the chords get kind of eerie and creepy yep. and it's just so unnecessarily creative. If that makes sense. Like it, it's like, what made you hear that? Like what, how did you in your mind go from the first part of the song to that latter part of the song? And then that just that groove at the end, you know, where he's singing over it, you know, in that really intense screaming voice. It's just, it's just epic. I mean, it, it's amazing. And it still, it still gives me chills. And there are times where I will just listen to that, whatever, 90 seconds of music just again. And I'll just bump it back and listen to it again. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the best. It's so good. It taps into emotion to like, if you remember being in high school and, and, you know, like wanting a girl real bad, but maybe she had a boyfriend or it was between you and another dude. And yeah, it, it just, yeah. it, and then you could, you know, even all those years later, you can tap into that feeling and remember what that felt like. And you were like, Oh, this dude fucking nailed it. Yeah. And it's also, it's in that perfect sort of wheelhouse where it's a song that people know, but it's not the song they've heard 8,000 times. Right, you know right. what I mean? Those are like my favorite sort of songs. If I'm making somebody a, a, a playlist or a mixed CD or a mixtape back in the days or whatever is sort of songs like one hit wonders that you kind of forgot about or that sort of not necessarily deep cuts, but that second tier of songs by artists that people know, you know, the, the, the third single off the album, right. you know, or the, right. that, that kind of thing. It, and, would, and, it wouldn't be on the first greatest hits volume, but exactly. maybe you'll see it on volume two. Yeah. yeah. And you just, you haven't exhausted all of your enjoyment of it yet, yes. you know, yeah. that there's still meat on the bone. What else? Read, read, read me Christian's top five. Uh, all right. Uh, number five, we got purple rain. Yeah. Um, uh, do you have it in front of you, Christian? I do. If you, I can you, do you want to you go through? Uh, sure, whatever. Uh, sure. Uh, number five, I have Purple Rain. Number four, I have Anesthesia from uh, Love Sexy, which I just fucking love. Uh, number three is You Got the Look from uh, Sign of the Times. And then top two are both from Purple Rain, uh, Darling Nikki and Beautiful Ones. Yeah, that's so, I, I think our list wouldn't be too far off. Darling Nick is my one of my all time favorites. Again, it's it's honestly you could flip the two of them. Yeah, I on a different day it might be number one. Yeah, mine is actually number one is Purple Rain, and then the next nine are just uh, Raspberry Beret on repeat. <laughs> you, the extended dance mix. The, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, uh, I, I wonder how much our like 40s and 50s would jibe. <laughs> That's where things obviously diverge <laughs> yeah. uh, is when you get deeper down in the list. But but yeah, I mean, I there's it's an embarrassment of riches, obviously. And whenever you're making a dumb list like this, you always have to account for the fact that a lot of it has to do with where you were in your life when the right. album came out and the sort of adolescent associations you have with it, and, you know. I was a bit. Did you ever hear the um, the Girl Six soundtrack? I did. Yes, that was he. He does all the mutes like him in New Power Generation or mm -hmm. all his protege. That was one of my favorite albums that nobody. Yeah, you know what? Knew. Honestly, that's a one that I really haven't given uh, like a real di deep dive into. That and had um, Erotic City, which I still love. 
Uh, but that, like, that had been recorded years before, right? It wasn't, was that when the... Uh, I, I think I, it had been, I don't know if it had been released anywhere until yeah. that album, but it had uh, Pink Cashmere, yeah. um, How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore. It had, like, unreleased things, I think. Right, I like the B-sides. I, right, I don't, I, don't know that he re- I, I don't know that he recorded anything new for it, but it, mm-hmm. was, it was a collection of Prince music that I'd never heard. Well, time. yeah, and Spike Lee doesn't get the credit that he deserves for for being a music head. You know, yeah. I mean, he he really obviously his dad was a jazz composer and a really great one. I mean, I, I to me the score for Do the Right Thing is just unbelievably underrated. Um, and so yeah, I mean, he's gonna pick great Prince songs because he's clearly a fan and knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Are, by the way, Christian, are you a musician at all? Like, do you play any anything? That's the sad thing. Uh, I I. I have like, I have a guitar. I can play three songs on guitar and three mm-hmm. songs on the piano. And I used yep. to sing. I was like in, in, you know, chamber singers and choruses and Me too. Crap, yep. barbershop quartets and shit like that. Yeah. But, um, but no, I never had the discipline. I, now I think you'd be like, oh, well, you clearly had ADHD and just <laughs> nobody diagnosed it. But I just couldn't, I couldn't practice. I, I couldn't sustain that level of focus Mm-hmm. And uh, I took guitar lessons for like three months when I was a little kid. And then my teacher died. He like got into a car accident oh, and died. Oh, my God. And then it was just kind of one of those things where, and, and this is sort of a theme in my life, is me being like, well, I guess the universe doesn't want me to play guitar, so I'll move on to something else. <laughs> <laughs> like, it never even occurred to me to try to find a different teacher. I was like, well, that, that avenue's foreclosed. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Off to the pawn shop after the viewing. <laughs> I get that. Like, what if, what if your neck, I mean, you can't just go around killing music teachers. I guess I, I sort of get that. <laughs> I and I'm just, also not a gearhead. Like, I'm terrified of technology or it just, it doesn't, it doesn't permeate. Like, as much as I love music theory and things like that, when I'm watching some video and some guy's going through his pedal rack or like what amps he's using, like, I just... It's like when it's like when an accountant starts talking to me about like IRAs and shit like that. It's like my brain just wipes clean. And I'm like, I'm not hearing you anymore. One of my favorite bands. I love LCD sound system. And anytime I've heard an interview with James Murphy, it's just him listing letters and numbers of equipment that he uses that. And I just, I turn off immediately. I can't, yeah. I can't listen. And, that, and that, that to me tells me that like, oh, I'm clearly was not made to be a musician because I not only do I not gravitate towards that, my brain shuts down. I actually just got it's right here. I actually just got a guitar restrung that I haven't played in years and years, and I just picked it up and it's like I know six chords and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make this sound relatively decent and it's it's never gonna go anywhere. But well, I, I, yeah. I heard the guy that restrung it killed himself, so be careful. <laughs> All right, well, I guess I'll take it back. Take it back. He must have heard those six chords. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was he actually set himself on fire as we um I went back. I was watching Prince's uh, halftime show, Super Bowl halftime show last night, mm-hmm. and I hadn't seen it in years. And then I was almost, like, almost I'm going to say almost as good as the Maroon 5 one. <laughs> <laughs> it re- it was so good. It was like yeah. I, I you I forgot. I guess, you know, I'm always kind of drunk at the Super Bowl, you know, and it's like I saw it and I was like, oh, that was great. Yeah, you're up. You're up refilling your plate and yeah, talking to yeah. people or whatever. And I went back and watched it last night, and I was like, well, "That may have been the 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 best one that I can remember." I mean, yeah, I don't think there's a, it's there's not even a close second. I don't think it's it's so good. Yeah, I mean, first of all, you know, uh, teal and orange, which I believe was his outfit. Uh, mm-hmm. That yeah. is that's a bold color choice right there. Yeah. But it, it kind of reminds me of like, uh, I remember Patrice O'Neill saying at some point that you never get anything unless you're either not ready for it or you should have gotten it 10 years ago, you know, the, and, uh, which is true. I mean, we, we always see, I mean, I've definitely had that experience where I got an opportunity that I just was not good enough to take advantage of. And then other times I get opportunities that it's like, Oh, I'm way past having done this <laughs> and the the latter tend to go better you know and so some some performers they do the super bowl or a big giant stadium show or like that and they're they're just not 
they don't have the chops, the performance chops, just the, the, the presence of mind to really settle into it. You know, they, they might do a great show, but it's very choreographed. And whereas like Prince, you know, I'm sure you've probably read some of the, there's great articles about, you know, how it started raining that night and they yeah. didn't know what they were going to do. And he's like, fuck it, let's do it. And, and it's just like, you can't do that unless you have 30 some odd years of just mastery and per, you know performance i mean you watch some of these prince concerts that are floating around online and just you think like how many d- hours in a day does this guy have mm-hmm. like how has he choreographed all of this like how is he how does he have time to practice his his various instruments how does he have time to to stay in shape like how does he have washboard abs and still be able to do all of these things and it's just like this dude is clearly living a different life like he clearly has 40 hours a day and we only have 24. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you know about his beef with Rick James? No, but it wouldn't surprise me. He, would, no. So Rick James took him on one of his tours. And this was before this was during one of those first two albums. This was mm-hmm. before 1999. This was when nobody knew who Prince was. And, uh, Prince would stand off to the side while Rick was on stage. And Rick at the time was one of the biggest stars on the planet. Um, And he would see how he interacted with the crowd and then just do it the next night. Like he would just steal Rick James's like uh, banter. (laughs) <laughs> so the next night he would come out and he would be like, how you doing, Buffalo? You know, and then Rick James would be like, what the fuck? That's mine. Like, I. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he would like he would yell. He would yell at Prince and Prince would be like, you can't own like how you do in Buffalo. You, you can't trademark that. So Rick James, uh, I, I think maybe threw him off the tour at some point because it was also clear that uh, he was blowing him off stage. Mm. He was blowing him off stage every night. He also got a. There's a famous story about him opening for the Rolling Stones. Oh yeah, back in the eighties, booed him off stage. Booed him. They booed him. They were throwing shit at him. Can you imagine Sorry. being like? Seeing the stones and being like, now nah, this guy's too androgynous. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't, we don't this like is, this. Seems kind of gay to me. Yeah, <laughs> play something from some girls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah he also. I, I, oh, go, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I. You know what? I was filibustering. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I. I like. I like this story too of just like, of how you know we think how above and superior they are and they must just be totally set in their minds and confident and then there was a story i read about him playing ping pong with michael jackson do you guys like no, michael I'm... jackson and prince playing ping pong. oh yeah i have heard this anecdote yeah and it's basically uh i guess prince is pretty good or at least better than michael and like he really started like slapping it at him and michael apparently drops his paddle uh, i'm reading this right now holds his hands in front of his face so the ball won't hit him michael jackson walks out with his bodyguard and prince starts strutting around the room quote like a rooster and he said did you see that he played like helen keller <laughs> <laughs> it's prince and michael jackson <laughs> playing a parlor game and prince just got joy out of kicking the shit out of him and had to make a helen keller joke and, Have uh, you ever seen that? There's a, I don't remember. If, I think it was, I don't remember if it was a Michael Jackson show or I think it was an award show of some sort where they had kind of a dance off on stage. It was like one of the few times that they've actually been on the stage together at the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, you know, it is interesting to, to think because I'm sure that Prince probably looked at Michael Jackson as kind of obviously a giant star and a giant talent or not, but he probably looked at it as like, all right, you might be a better dancer at me, but I'm better at everything else, you yeah. know? And, and so I'm sure that there was probably, he definitely had a, I'm going to fucking show you gene in him, yeah. you know, for better or for worse. And I didn't realize that Michael Jackson originally wanted Prince to, uh, they, he was going to be, he was going to sing uh, bad with him. 
and like was going to be in the video and like that was yeah. a whole thing he's like who are you singing this to he's like you're not bad you're not more you know you're not more you're not better than i am and it, i mean it just it totally tracks. Well, and there's that that interview i don't know if it was tavis smiley or somebody it was like the first line is your butt is mine and he's yep. like you're not singing that to me <laughs> who's singing this to who yeah i mean happen. let's be honest prince was i mean if you watch purple rain that is not a terrifying movie he, he <laughs> Prince Prince does not. I know he calls himself the kid and it's all very cool, but he does not come across as bad. He's all brooding, but uh, yeah. he's not intimidating. And like he rides a motorcycle in that movie that like your aunt would ride right now. <laughs> I know it's amazing that he, he somehow made that seem relatively cool for about six months. Yeah, like, right. It is the uncoolest vehicle you've yeah. ever seen in your life. Yeah, I, I I I love motorcycles, but I also need a windshield. I mean, it's just- <laughs> <laughs> it's like they got it off the set of chips. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of chips, uh, I I would make fun of him because apparently he hated the name Prince and went by Skipper most of his life. Oh yeah, I did or most of that. his childhood, yes, I guess. Yeah. And I would make fun of that, but I have literally no room to talk, so uh, yeah, I can't uh, do that. That's where Larry King right, should have no been idea. like, how about Skipper? How about Skipper? Miami. You're on. <laughs> You're on with Skipper. What if he just, uh, this would have been the best Prince move in the world. Like the day after that, he just announced to the world that he's changing his name to Larry King. Like, it's just like, my name is Larry King now. And that's what you all address me as. And Larry kept going on about how soft spoken he was, which I like, I guess I appreciate. Like, what do you want him to like you want him to be on like he's on. So like, that'd be weird. Like, don't you hate uh, like comics who are always on? Like you're trying to have a normal conversation. Yeah. And, and they're, yeah. they're being like the stage them. Like, what do you want out of Prince? Well, there's yeah. so, and there's such a power, you know, with that, that sort of Todd Barry thing of just kind of like, I'm going to make you come to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to come to you. Like, and if you can pull that off and if you're interesting enough that people will come to you, I mean, that's like, to me, that's like Todd is one of my favorite comics. Yeah. And one of the reasons why is because it's like, he literally, he isn't coming to you. You have to come to him. Mm-hmm. And luckily the jokes are good enough that it works, but yeah. um, there's nothing desperate about it. And same with Prince. It's just like, no, I'm, I'm confident yeah. enough that what I have to say is interesting. Like, what do you expect him to be like dancing around your studio and like air humping, all, like everything in sight? Like, yeah. Well, I think they want that sort of just classic talk show host guest, which is the trap I always fall into. Like sometimes I, I when I would do those morning TV shows, you know, when you're on the road and you, you have to do Good Morning Charlotte or whatever. And I would just sort of fall into that what they wanted mm-hmm. just because out of social awkwardness. And then I would finish and I'd be like. Who the hell is going to come to the club based on that? Because like right. I just did as like another cooking segment or something like that. Like it would have been much better if I had this sort of inner strength to make it awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah, and then at least people might be like, "Hey, what's this guy's deal?" Yeah. Yes. But yeah. Oh, you want to hear, you want to hear funny uh, Todd Barry story real quick? Yeah. When I when I first started comedy, I'm like in my first year or so, and um, uh. My friend and comedian Kenny Garcia uh, is producing a show. It's it's his first show that he's producing at New York Comedy Club, and um, he, he's got me on the show, and he somehow got Todd Barry to close it. And I, I'm so excited. I'm a huge Todd Barry fan, and I I can't believe that I'm on the same show as Todd Barry. And I'm like, maybe I'm a year in, and um, get to the show. And I'm not exaggerating, zero people bought tickets. Like not one ticket got sold. And um, I just sat there at the bar with Todd Barry and a couple other comics while Todd shit all over Kenny Garcia's zero ticket sold show. Like he just (laughs) roasted him. (laughs) He just roasted him for 20 minutes. And it's like, I laughed harder than I would have if there had been a show and I just watched his set. It was just him very dryly. Uh, yeah, you never way, had a show, by the way. Like, did did you get any walk-ins or anything? Or no, there's there were literally no shows. Zero people showed up. That's great. That's amazing. Honestly, I'd so much rather zero than three. 
Yes. You know, because <laughs> yes. I mean, at least zero, it's like, at least we can all just go home. Oh, there's <laughs> those moments where it's like, you know, the manager's making that or the manager, the booker, whoever's making that decision. And I've never, <laughs> I've never once, I've never once in my career been like, God, I hope three people, three more people walk in so we can do this. Like, oh, I, never... I definitely had a period where I would have felt that way, but it ended a yeah. long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, I remember once doing a weekend of shows and they didn't sell enough tickets for the late show. And the booker came over to me and I've never seen somebody more apologetic. She was like, I'm so sorry. There's not going to be a late show. We're still paying you for the late show, but you're there's no show. And I'm so I'm like, you're so sorry. That's the greatest news I've gotten. <laughs> so you're paying. So you're paying me uh, double to do one show, and I yeah. don't have to hang out here till twelve thirty. That's like what? Stop apologizing. Yeah. Like uh, it's. I promise you, it's fine. Yeah. I remember once I, I did a bar show that this back in those days where I just like I well I have to get on stage. Um, there it was at Rafifi down in, in the East Village, which later became kind of a cool venue, but at the time was not. And there were four people in the audience and two of them were a couple from the Netherlands who didn't speak English. And the other two were like 80 something year old men who were there for a wrongly advertised airing of uh, the movie High Noon. (laughs) (laughs) And one guy took his teeth out and just had him on the chair next to him. And it was one of those bar shows where you don't have a set time. So you just show up and they're like, here's the order. And they had me on last. And it just, I was like, well, I I guess I've just got to hang out for an hour and 45 minutes until I can perform for these four sad people. But those days days are over. (laughs) Yeah. Praying for an old man to keel over. (sighs) All right, Christian, before we let you out of here, what, um, what are, what are your uh, what are the last 80 favorite songs on there? Just real quick. Go ahead. And then <laughs> if you could just say a couple of words about each one. Okay. Very quickly. What what do you have a favorite Prince album? Is it Purple Rain? I mean, I would say just in terms of of just no filler, all killer, no filler. Yeah. It's really like make when I was making this list last night and I was going, I somehow forgot when doves cry. <laughs> like I just forgot it, which is yeah. bizarre, but uh, it's just every damn song. Every damn song is great. Yeah. I mean, there's just, it's flawless. It's a flawless album. I still, like I said, I still have this weird, I still hold a torch for, for love sexy just because I feel like nobody likes that album and doesn't get the attention that deserves. Um, but I would say it's between uh, Sign of the Times and Purple Rain, but Sign of the Times does have some filler as all double albums do. So I'll say Purple Rain. Yeah. Chip, do you? Uh, you know, I, again, I'm not as well versed, so I got to go with Purple Rain just because, uh, I'm a, I'm a bandwagoner at this point. So yes, sometimes the, the cliches are cliches for a reason. Right. Well, and, and two, and, and again, and again, this is my ignorance too but like i was looking at sign of the times and it's like a great album it's a great listen but like there weren't that there's not really big singles on that album no right like no. at all right no yeah. really no, not scott um you got the look you got the was look that, you yeah. got the look i can That's never take a place here man yeah. uh sign of the times mm-hmm. and then there were songs that weren't really singles but that everybody that a lot of people know like if i was your girlfriend and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But again, not nearly to the level of, you know, even the deep cuts, quote unquote, deep cuts on Purple Rain are songs everybody knows. Yeah. 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 yeah I would say it's for me, it's a cross, but it's a toss up between uh, Purple Rain. I love 1999, too. Because that's where I first yeah. that was my first exposure. Sure. You always remember um, your first. Yeah. 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 Um, Oh, no, wait. The song that I thought was on 1999 that I was going to point to is on Purple Rain. So I guess it's Purple Rain. It's Purple Rain. Yeah. I was thinking computer. I was thinking computer blue. I was like, wait, Purple Rain's not on 1999? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh, computer blue. I thought that yeah. was on 1999. I love that song. Yeah. And that's like the least known song on Purple Rain. Yeah. And yet most people know it. Yeah. All right. Well, Christian, thank you so much for coming. I want to get you back on and talk about Bowie at some point. Sure. It sounds like my pleasure. If, if you could really, I, it's kind of awkward. You should have passed that by me first. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. Well, when, when, I, when Chip's not maybe here, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have to have a talk about that. And, yeah. And maybe, maybe we'll have Christian back. <laughs> I don't I don't know a lot of people that stand up for the later error. 
Bowie. So. I take a lot of pride in it, especially the people who have sort of, again, memefied Bowie now and talk about like, oh, David Bowie is my, he's my savior. And he's really, did you, when's the last time, what's the last album of his you actually bought? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I don't like to be a gatekeeper like that, but I also just like my bullshit detector goes off. <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was the one artist that every single album I got, I was, I was into, you know, I, I didn't, yeah. I never skipped an era. Um, yeah. For me, yeah, like I said, even even some of the worse albums. There I was own all, both there was Tin always, Machine albums. I loved, in all seriousness, that first Tin Machine album. I, I still listen to a lot. It's got six great songs on it. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been trying uh, I've been trying hard to get Reeves Gabrell on here. Oh my gosh. But he's he's, like he would do it. He he's, like he's he's tough. To, I've I've been oh, in yeah. touch with his wife a few times. He's he's tough to nail down. He doesn't do a ton of interviews. Well, I'd come on and talk about the Cure as well. Yeah, he's now the Cure's guitar player. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. All right, Christian. Where can people Thanks, find guys. you? What what do you? Uh, I don't it's Twitter. I don't. I mean, I'm on Instagram, but I rarely use it. But I, on all the media platforms, I'm at Christ Finnegan. Mm-hmm. C-H-R-E-S-T-F-I-N-N-E-G-A-N. And how, how can they sign up for your newsletter? Uh, newmusicforolds.substack.com. And that would be, it would be super. I would love, I because I'm, I'm really loving doing it. it and yeah. the more the merrier. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much, man. This, this has been so much fun. And uh, yeah, we got to have you back talk about Bowie. And uh, yeah, uh, but, awesome. but thanks, man. This was, thanks, uh, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Chip, you got anything coming up? Uh, just, uh, just follow me. I'm going to be at the punchline of Philly next week and just, uh, just follow me at Chip Chantry. How about you? Um, Wednesday, June 15th stress factory. Uh, it's like an, and friends thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have another, I love rock and roll live show at the stand Wednesday, yeah. June 29th, which unfortunately seven. I have to miss too, because I'm going to be out of town again, but, uh, I'm, I'm excited for that. that the lineup's great. Well, you'll you'll make it to your show one of these days. I'm, one of these I'm days. I'm confident. Exactly. All right, everybody. See you next week. Bye.